the hem of commitment I've changed. I want it to be old little town of Bethlehem number 144. So you may want to make that note. I read from Zephaniah chapter 3 verses 14 through 20. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you and has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day I shall be, it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear, O Zion, do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exalt you with loud singing as on a day of festival. I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear approach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown into all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home. At that time, when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Have you ever given thought to a line from a beloved Christmas carol? Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight? What Christian doesn't cherish the image of eternal light? Beaming from the ramshackle stable where the Christ child dozes in the arms of his mother. Who doesn't celebrate the hope his birth brings to the world where hope so often seems in short supply. But fears? What has fear to do with Christmas? The history of the carol provides a hint. The, framed, the famed preacher, Phillips Brooks, wrote O Little Town of Bethlehem in 1868 just three years after Lee and Grant signed their peace accord at Appomattox and shook hands on the deal. Battle-weary veterans on both sides had laid down their arms and trudged home. But half of the nation still lay in ruins 
and President Andrew Johnson seemed to be doing his best to dismantle the rights that had been won for the former slaves at such a terrible human cost. On the home front, both in the North and the South, families had been decimated by the carnage of the most brutal war America has ever known. Wives and mothers counted themselves lucky if their husband and son or son had come home lacking in an arm or a leg or an eye or shivering from post-traumatic stress disorder. They knew that their loved one could easily have not come home at all. In 1868, the carol gave Americans some comfort to picture the humble Bethlehem stable as the place where hope and fear met each other and where hope emerges the ultimate victor. <coughs> what do people fear? What do people you know fear this Advent? So many have fears, whether real or imagined. It makes no difference whether they are rich or poor, employed or unemployed, members of the majority culture, or minority subject to racial profiling. We find reason for fear. One woman wrote on Facebook last year that rather than joy, she was filled with fear. She was freaking out about whether she forgot to get a gift for anyone she would be seeing on Christmas Day, whether she bought adequate gifts for her co-workers, whether her children have an equal amount of presents to open, whether she messed up the name tags and gave the wrong gifts to her boys, whether her youngest will think that Santa thought he was a bad boy this year, whether her husband would like his gifts, and whether she has money enough left over to cover those she forgot. Christmas for Christians are used to looking to the Old Testament for prophetic condemnation and to the New Testament for consolation. But this week, Zephaniah sounds a note of triumphal hope. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. It is not that Zephaniah's larger prophecy is all sweetness and light. In his early chapters, he voices the message of an angry God. In the first three verses of his writing, he says, I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, says the Lord, I will sweep away humans and animals. I will sweep away the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. We need to admit that fear is as much a part of Christmas story as peace and joy.
It actually helps to begin our Advent journey with a frank acknowledgement of our fears. For it is only by moving through our fears to the joy that awaits us on the other side that we truly grasp the triumphant good news of the Christ child coming into the world. But we pretend there is no fear. There's more fear in the Christmas story than most of us care to be reminded. It's unmistakably present in John's fiery preaching, but we also glimpse it in the angel's repeated greeting. Do not be afraid. The angels say do not be afraid, but the fact that fear does exist and the warning is necessary is an admission that fear is an ever-present reality, not only at Jesus' birth, but now as well. Remember, Herod ordered babies killed? You just don't get that in the secular version of Christmas. It's all light and no shadow, all merriment and no ill will. Secular culture may be quick to domesticate God into a benevolent philanthropist, a kindly figure, very much like our Santa Claus. But that's not the full biblical witness. God is to be loved, but God is also to be feared. We want to see God as a God of love and peace, of empowerment and affirmation. It is true that God is all of these, but it, we don't want to deny that God is a righteous judge. Clearly, John the Baptist wants no part of such a world, nor do the gospel writers who told the Christmas story with angels prefacing the good news with fear not. To get the joy, we pass through fear. We don't get to Christmas joy by detouring around it. We get there as Phillips Brooks knew only by allowing the hopes and fears of all the years to meet one another in that little town of Bethlehem. Who would advance such a crazy idea that seems so out of step with popular culture? A Christian who believes God's promises are true. That's who. In this life, there are things to be feared. There is illness, poverty, pain, suffering, just to mention a few. We would be considered foolish if we didn't recognize that. Yet Zephaniah and the Gospels are telling us the good news. They are telling us that all these things are ours ultimately are nothing. All these fears of ours are ultimately nothing. 
when laid up against the great news that God plans for the world and all who dwell in it. Leonard Sweet tells the story about a certain Native American tribe who had a unique way of training young braves. On the night of the boy's 13th birthday, he was led into the wilderness to spend the night alone. Most young braves at this time in their lives had never been away from the security of their elders. Yet on this night, these young teenagers were blindfolded and taken miles away. When each one took off his blindfold, he found himself in the middle of a woods alone. They were dependent on nothing but the good will of the great spirit and his own survival training. He then, he can, we can well imagine what a terrifying night that was for a young boy. Imagine their imagination magnified every woodland sound until it seemed like a fearsome monster. It's kind of like this in this building at night. But then, finally, each young brave managed to get to sleep. When dawn broke, he rubbed the sleep from his eyes and looked around. What he saw was an amazing sight. A tall man standing a few feet away, armed with a bow and arrow. It was his father. He had been there all night long, weapons at the ready, watching over his son as he slept. Into each human life, some fears must intrude. There are indeed times when thick darkness surrounds, and we may justifiably wonder if we'll ever see daylight again. Yet, even, in times of loneliness and despair, especially in times of loneliness and despair, we are not alone. There is one who waits beside us to watch over us and protect us. There is this prime example for which we are now preparing ourselves. The heart of Christmas is the belief known as the Incarnation. That is, as the gospel writer John puts it, the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory. Christian writer and poet Kathleen Norris says that the incarnation is the place where hope contends with fear. The good news of this bright season is not that we have nothing to fear in life, but rather that our fearsome and powerful God has the ability to bring us through every lesser fear that may assail us. O little town of Bethlehem, it's true that the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. In a matter of days, we will gather to celebrate the good news of the Messiah's birth. May we discover anew in these days of expectation 
that when hopes and fears meet in Jesus Christ, the lesser fears of this life are vanquished. The only thing we need fear then is disobeying God. Amen.